All right. All right. So again, Acts chapter four. So these are, as we know, these are challenging days, right? These are, these are, um, strange days. Everybody's scrambling to figure out how do we do life in the midst of a, of a quarantine that's, I guess the first time in a hundred years, our nation has faced something like this on this level. And, um, and so schools are closing, restaurants are, are trying to figure out how do we do drive through only, and workplaces are struggling with how do we respond. Obviously, the church is gathering online and, and, uh, and, and trying to make the most out of that. The economy is being battered and, and, and kind of preparing for even more challenging times ahead. And, and so, again, in times like this, it's easy to list all of those challenges and just kind of get overwhelmed by them. It's easy to become filled with anxiety and just to kind of just check out emotionally, check out spiritually, maybe while we're hunkered down physically, kind of in quarantine slash hibernation mode, it's tempting just to kind of hunker down spiritually and just kind of hibernate spiritually and think, well, how can I just survive this time? But today I want to remind you that in the midst of all of the crisis and in the midst of all of the chaos, we have an incredible opportunity, church. Most of us are still working uh, our, our jobs, whether that's remotely or still going in. Uh, we still have some responsibilities. If you're, ki- if, you, if you're a parent, your kids are at home now, and you're trying to figure out how do, I, how do I do that. So it's not like life is super simple, but a lot of those things that have been eating up our excess time, sports and uh, extra activities, get-togethers, those things have been canceled. So you have some margin in your life, even though all the responsibilities aren't gone. You have some margin in your life. I have some margin in my life that we've never had before. What are we going to do with that margin? Um, So many of the excuses we've made for not pursuing Jesus have gotten canceled. So many of the excuses we've given for years for not pursuing Jesus have been canceled, have been nixed. And we have an opportunity Church, we have an opportunity to seek Jesus like never before. Church, we have an opportunity to share Jesus like never before. And our challenge is that we would be a people today who seek and share Jesus like we never have before. We have an opportunity to do that. You know, people of all ages are are dealing with anxiety and they're asking eternal questions. and, And we have an opportunity to say, we know the God of peace. We, we know the God of peace. Can I introduce you to the God of peace? Can I, can I share with you how you can know the God of peace and then in turn know the peace of God? As you reach out to your neighbors and check on them, as you check on our, our, uh, our friends and our congregation in our town who are, are maybe in, in, immunocompromised and, and at risk, as you go to the grocery store and you reach for that you know, last roll of toilet paper and you see somebody there who needs it, um, As you work, as you engage people online, you and I, we have an unprecedented opportunity to share the peace and love of Jesus Christ with others. We have an opportunity to seek Jesus like never before. We have an opportunity to to share Jesus like never before. And so today we're continuing our study on cultivating prayer. Cultivating healthy soil through prayer. And today we turn to Acts 4 and we're going to pray for boldness. That as we cultivate healthy soil, part of what cultivates in us is boldness. We're going to see a time the early church turned a struggle and a challenge into an opportunity. And so we're going to see that we cultivate, we have an opportunity to cultivate boldness, to seek and share Jesus like never before. You have an opportunity to cultivate boldness, to go right into, the, into God's presence and seek him like you never have before. 
you have an opportunity to cultivate boldness to share Jesus like you never have before. So the context here of Acts 4 is, is we, if we kind of go back to Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus ha- has died and risen and and the disciples are like, is, is now the time you're, you're going to establish a kingdom? And Jesus says, I'm out. He ascends into heaven and he tells them, he says, uh, go and, and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to empower you to be my witnesses. And so the disciples go into quarantine there in Acts chapter 1. And they quarantine themselves and they're praying. And what they're doing with their time in, in isolation and quarantine is they're seeking God with all their hearts and souls and minds and strength like they never had before. In Acts chapter 2, something amazing happens. The Holy Spirit falls in just tangible form on these early uh, believers. There's 120 that are praying and seeking uh, and, and waiting, crying out for God's Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They begin preaching and, and speaking in other tongues. And, and thousands of people hear the message in their own languages. And thousands of people come and, 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 and say, how can we be saved? And, and, and they give their lives to Christ. And then in Acts chapter 3, after this awakening, after this revival... Peter and John are walking to the temple because it was their custom to to gather in that temple in the big group and then to gather house to house in the small groups and they're walking up to the temple and they pass a man that they've probably seen no matter how many no, no telling how many times and he's a paralyzed man. Acts says he calls him a, a, a lame man and and this paralyzed man was there begging for money and that's how he, he provided for himself and Peter and John have probably seen him a hundred times but today was different. The Holy Spirit prompted Peter and John to stop and say. Uh, you know, what do you need? And the guy, and, and, and the, and the guy's just looking up at him. And Peter says, we don't have any silver and gold, but we're going to give you what, what we do have. We've got Jesus. And he says, rise and walk. And the man jumps up and he's leaping for joy. And it's this amazing scene. And then Peter and, and John go into Solomon's porch there in the temple. And Peter preaches this amazing, hard hitting sermon. It's, it's a bold sermon. It's a bold message. And this is the same Peter who just a few weeks before Peter was the paralyzed one. Just a few weeks before, Peter wasn't physically paralyzed, but Peter was par- paralyzed by fear just a few weeks before. Remember Peter, uh, when Jesus was on trial, Peter denied Jesus in front of a slave girl. And now he goes and he, and he preaches to hundreds of people and he preaches this bold message because something's happened. Peter's paralysis has been healed. As he's been in quarantine with his friends and seeking the Holy Spirit, seeking God, the Holy Spirit has done something in Peter. The Holy Spirit has healed Peter's fear. He's a different person. Now, a a, a paralyzed, afraid man has become spiritually whole, and that's at least as big, if not bigger miracle, than the physically paralyzed man becoming whole. So he preaches the, the gospel powerfully. And, and interestingly, Peter doesn't preach rules. He preaches the resurrection of Jesus there in, in Acts 3. And he doesn't say, if you'll keep these rules, then God will accept you. He says, Jesus has died and risen. And therefore, in response to that, we want to honor God by living holy lives. The resurrection makes all the difference. We want to honor God because he's God. And if you go to Acts 4 verse 13, I love this statement. Everybody hears uh, Peter preach, and they're watching Peter and John, and they're like, aren't these, like, weren't these guys fishermen that just used to walk around with Jesus? Who are these people? They say in Acts 4, verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You see what happened there? Common people. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus and because they'd spent some time in quarantine praying, 
Common people have become fluent in the gospel, and they go viral, man. People are saying, who are these guys? What if a sovereign God wants to return ministry to normal, everyday people? What if you walk out of quarantine in a few days or weeks, and people say, man, she's been with Jesus. She's uneducated, she's untrained, she hasn't been to seminary, but she's been with Jesus. I'm going to tell you something, we're going to walk out of quarantine, and it's going to be obvious whether we spend all our time with Netflix, or we spend our time with Jesus. Peter and John, there you go, Peter and John are recognized as having been with Jesus. And so now the religious establishment, they want to shut Peter and John down, but there's been this public miracle, and so they can't really... Uh, do much, and so the religious leaders tell Peter and John, hey, just shut down this Jesus talk, stop proclaiming the gospel, and Peter and John ask, are we supposed to obey God or you? You tell us. And then they return to the gathered church, and they tell their story. Um, And we're going to pick up there in Acts 4, verse 23. When, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, you're the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You're the one uh, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, they quote Psalm 2, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Except now it's not the the people of, of, of the pagan world that are that are opposing God. It's God's very own people, the religious leaders. For truly in the city that were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan are predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant that your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You see that repeated emphasis on boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony of the resurrection to the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. What we're seeing here in this passage is how the early church responded to a crisis. We're seeing how the early church responded to a threat. And we're going to get some clues as to how we can do the same. As the early church faced these threats from the religious establishment, as they faced mounting persecution, they could have become paralyzed in fear. And they could have just hibernated until it all blew over and said, we're going to pick up this Jesus stuff when it's a little safer. They could have, um, they could have just uh, uh, protested the unfairness of it all. They could have uh, circulated conspiracy theories and, and, and they could have demanded their own rights. But the first thing the church does was they lifted their voices and they prayed. And the first thing we do in a crisis, taking a cue from Acts 4, is we remember that God is sovereign. 
as we're looking at our economy, as, as we're looking at coronavirus spreading, as we're looking at the quarantine, and, and what does that mean for business? What does that mean for school? What does that mean for church? What does it mean for me personally? What does it mean for my wallet? Oh, as we're asking all of those questions, we have an opportunity to first remember that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. The early church, when they gathered there in, in Acts 4.23, Um, they gathered together, verse 24, they heard this, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They remind themselves that God is sovereign. They pray because they believe God is sovereign and their prayer itself emphasizes that God is sovereign. They pray a God-centered prayer. Like if it was me, I would probably say, God, stop this persecution as soon as you can. We're saying, God, stop this coronavirus ASAP so we can just get back to normal. But where they start is, God, you're sovereign. You're not surprised by this persecution. And I'm not, you know, what does God's sovereignty mean? It means that God's in charge. It means that he's guiding history and he's guiding you toward a good goal. And it means he uses all the trials along the way. It doesn't mean that God sent the coronavirus, but God can use it. That's what he does. He takes terrible things and he uses them for his good. It means his sovereignty means that he's not surprised by this. I may be pacing around my living room wondering what to do. You may be doing that, but God is not pacing around heaven wondering what to do. God is not worried. There's comfort in that. He's got it. And he can use this for your good. He can use this for his glory. So let's pray this prayer with the early church. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. Lord, you are the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. It's a great place to start. We cultivate boldness to seek Jesus, and we cultivate boldness to share Jesus as we remember that God is sovereign. Now, God's sovereignty doesn't mean that we just sit around and don't do anything. What did the early church do? Because they believe God's sovereign, they pray. They seek him and they share the gospel with others. Well, how am I going to share the gospel if, if, I'm in, if, if I'm at home, man? You would be, what are we doing right now? What if we use social media for more than uh, advancing our political agendas and we, and we cultivate sharing that way? What if we text and check on our neighbors and our friends and vulnerable people in our church and in our neighborhood? What if when we're at the store and we're interacting with people, we manifest the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and we're generous with what we have? And then we tell people why. The next thing they do, they, they first remember that God is sovereign too. Number two, they pray scripture. They quote, uh, they quote uh, Psalm 2, why the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain. See, because the disciples, the early church, have been bathing in scripture, they find their situation in scripture. More importantly, they find Jesus in Scripture. And they find how this Old Testament passage, this Old Testament psalm pointed forward to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Man, what an opportunity you have. What an opportunity we have to know God's Word. Man, if you come out of this biblically illiterate, you're not going to have any excuse. They pray scripture, and, and, and we've been walking through some great scriptures to pray. Uh, scriptures like Psalm 23 is a phenomenal uh, passage right now in, in anxious times to pray. 
Ephesians chapter 1, that prayer that, that Paul gives us there. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. Another amazing prayer to pray. A great way to learn how to pray and learn Scripture is to go to those prayers of Scripture and just pray through them. There's some great apps. Uh, the the uh, Read Scripture app is so helpful. Parent cue, if you're a parent and you're wondering, how can I, uh, how can I have gospel conversations with my kids? That's a phenomenal app. Uh, through, through your membership here at Trinity, you have access to Right Now Media. Go to our website, go over to Media and find that Right Now Media link. Uh, and you can log in for that. T- tons of resources. Uh, Misty just shared, what is it, the Gospel Project through Lifeway? Uh, she's going to be sharing the link on our Facebook page to that, parents. The YouVersion app is a great Bible app. And then if your battery dies, you've got this, uh, this, uh, this thing right here that you can just open up and read. Binge read you some scripture. The early church has been binge reading scripture. And so when you poke them, scripture comes out and they pray scripture. So they remember that God is sovereign and they pray scripture and three they seek and they share Jesus. Again, if you're like me, you just want to pray, God, in this coronavirus so I can have job security. In this coronavirus so uh, everything can get back to normal. And the question, I think, is what if our normal was messed up? You know, Bill Stein, uh, my friend and fellow elder here at Trinity, was kind of the first one of us to start asking this question like, what if our normal was messed up? And I was just like, man, hush, we just need to get back to normal. But what if our normal was messed up? What if we have an opportunity? What if right now in quarantine, you have an opportunity to cultivate a new normal? And what if we don't ever need to go back to the old normal? What if God is using this to liberate you from your old normal? And he's giving you an opportunity to cultivate a new one. They don't just pray that persecution will end. That's what I would have prayed. Look at what they pray. They pray for boldness in the face of the threat. Verse 27, For in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, Herod, and Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, the Israelites, in other words, everybody, to do what your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So again, they're cultivating, this, they're, 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 they're remembering and reminding themselves of the sovereignty of God. Verse 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They say, look at this threat and grant that we would speak your word. They're boldly seeking Jesus. And as they're boldly seeking Jesus, they're asking that Jesus would help them boldly share Jesus. In persecution, the first century church had a, an unprecedented opportunity to seek Jesus and to share Jesus. 20th century church, 21st century church now, what century are we in? 21st century, we have an unprecedented opportunity to seek Jesus and to share Jesus. So what's it look like to be bold during this pandemic? It doesn't mean, oh, we're just going to gather anyway. It doesn't mean we go cough in people's faces. It doesn't mean we, we break into people's bubble. Being bold in this time is to take the opportunities you have and say, you know what? Everybody's thinking about life and death right now. What if I just share what my life's really all about? What if I take an opportunity as I'm giving that last box of toilet paper to that mom who's struggling in the store? What if I take the opportunity um, as I'm standing in line? What if I take that opportunity online and through text messages? What if I take the opportunity with my coworkers and my family to say, can I tell you why I have peace? 
Can I tell you what my life's about? Can I tell you about Jesus? What's it look like to face this threat and keep spreading and speaking God's word? What's it look like to cry out to God for signs and wonders? That's what they do. They say, stretch out your hand and work signs and wonders. What if God's people prayed? And what if we prayed? And what if we prayed? And we saw signs and wonders like physically paralyzed people being healed, spiritually paralyzed people being healed, people paralyzed by fear becoming infiltrated with the the peace of God. Next is we can be filled with the Spirit. In, in trying times, in anxious times, we remember God's sovereignty, we pray scripture, we speak and share, we seek and share Jesus, and we can be filled with the Spirit. Verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. How do you know you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? You speak the word of God with boldness. How do you know you've been filled with the Holy Spirit? You share Christ with others. The Holy Spirit is who moves in you to seek Jesus. The Holy Spirit is who moves in you to share Jesus. These are people that already believe in Jesus. These are people who've already received the Holy Spirit, and yet they get a fresh filling, a fresh outpouring of the Spirit because the Spirit of God always wants more of you. The Spirit of God always wants to give you more of Him. I've been in a marriage for 18 years, and I know Sonda more now than I did. It's, it's all right. I know Sonda more now than I did 18 years ago. She knows me more now than she did 18 years ago. If she'd have known everything 18 years ago, she knows now. I don't know if, we, if, if, if she'd have taken the plunge, but, but thankfully we did. And, and, and we have more of each other now than we ever have before. The Holy Spirit wants to give you more of him, and he wants you to give you more of you. Pray for a, a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God, a filling in your life. And I want to share with you some words from John Franklin. He's, he wrote a book called The Place Was Shaken about this very passage, based on this passage. And he says that God has, and these are biblically grounded, I believe, desires. He says that these are three desires that God has for you. Number one, God wants to reveal himself to his people. There's a reason that God wants us to seek him. It's, it's kind of like when you're playing hide and seek with your child and your child hides in a way where they're kind of in plain sight. They want you to seek them, but they want to be found. God wants to be found. God wants to be found. He wants to reveal himself to his people. Because when we know him, when we know the goodness of his death and resurrection, we glorify him. Two, God wants to move his people onto his agenda. Guys, we've been on our agenda long enough. And God has, through whatever means, our agenda has been disrupted. So what are you going to do with that disruption? Can this be an opportunity that God takes you off of your agenda, takes Matt off of Matt's agenda, and he puts us onto his agenda? And third... John Franklin says, God wants to build and minister to his people through his people. God wants to raise up everyday normal Christians who shepherd the flock of God. 
who tend to the flock. God wants to build up the church through the church. God wants to minister to the church through the church. We're in a season where it's going to take all of us to shepherd the flock. It's going to take all of us to be the church. And God wants to use you. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to move you onto his agenda. And he wants to build and minister to his people through you. The last thing, the last way we can respond to a crisis is we can be generous. What do we see there about the early church? Verse 32, the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. They're unified. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. Nobody claimed ownership of anything. They had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them. No one was needy among the early church. Why? Because they took care of each other. Christians saw a need and met a need. They didn't call the church office. They saw a need and they met the need because God was building and ministering and shepherding his people through his people because God was revealing himself to his people and God was getting his people off of their agenda and onto his agenda. And as a result of all that, there was no one needy because everyone was generous with one another. As the Holy Spirit fills us, as we cry out to God, as we get a revelation of God, as we get on board with God's agenda, generosity increases. That means, yeah, be generous and give to the church. Yes, of course. Be generous and support missionaries. Yeah. Be generous with people in need around us. And those needs are going to be huge in the days to come. And we're all going to rethink what does it look like to be generous and what does it mean to truly be the church in 2020, I pray that you're seeking God and, and, and allowing him to prepare you for unparalleled generosity. Because that's what it means to be the church. We can cultivate boldness to seek and to share Jesus like never before. And when you give that single mom in Walmart that last packet of toilet paper, that may be the most powerful evangelism opportunity you ever have. We can do these things not because we're awesome. We can do these things because Jesus has gone before us. And Jesus has already done all of this. Jesus trusted his Father's sovereign plan. Jesus prayed, if there's any other way around this, please let the cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Jesus prayed scripture. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus shared the truth. Whether the audience was open or closed to that truth. Jesus was continually filled with the spirit. And Jesus was generous to the point, not of laying down his sharman, but laying down his life for you and for me. We can follow in this path because Jesus has already blazed the trail. We can cry out to God for boldness and the Holy Spirit is ready and willing to fill you. So as the band comes and we wrap up our time together, I just encourage you to seek God now. Stand, sit, bow your head, eyes open, eyes closed, whatever. Seek God in this moment. Would you pray that God would shake wherever you are?
that the place would be shaken. Literally would be awesome, but certainly spiritually would. Would you pray that the Spirit would shake us and stir us?